Welcome to the Declaration Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We pray that today's message encourages you and blesses you. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit us at declaration.org. Well, you look good today. Everybody looks all rested and like you've had a great weekend. Anybody done any chores this weekend or just kind of chilling out? A few of you? Okay, good. Well, let's do this. A um, couple things. I know that you heard about Growth Track, but I just want to remind you Growth Track Step 2 is today. It's probably one of everyone's favorites because it's the one where you really discover a lot about how God wired you. And so I want to encourage you 1030 Room 101, make sure that you're a part of that. And uh, let's get into the message this morning. Well, I hope you had a great week. I hope you put into practice um, that first uphill habit that we talked about last week. I hope that you um, engaged and you're participating in the 21 days of prayer together. Um, every morning around, I think, 6 a.m., we're sending out those devotionals, and, and um, we're also posting them on Facebook, and we actually have uh, week two books for you right there in the lobby. Some of you may have got it on your way in. You can grab it on your way out if you want the physical hard copy as well, and so that's there. If you have not plugged into 21 days of prayer or if, if you've not had a chance to start, no shame, get in the game, all right? It is not too late, so jump right on in. It's going to be a great 14 days left there, and so let's do that together. All right, so we're in week two of a four-part series called Uphill Habits. Um, I am praying and believing that this new message for the new year will have great impact on many of us, and um, Last week, let me just start like this. Last week, we started like this. I gave you a quote from Aristotle, which was this. We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. Or to say it this way, you are the sum total of what you keep doing. All right? You're the sum total of what you keep doing. So let's review some theme verses that we started off with. Isaiah 43, brand new year. I like the way that this reads. Don't remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a brand new thing. God is able to do a brand new good thing in your life. That's a very important thing to, to believe. Listen carefully. I'm about to do it. It's going to spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Will you perceive it? I'll even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I'll even put, uh, yeah, that said is it twice. So evidently he means it or we didn't catch that on the edit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here we go. Um, from the message, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to that. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. See, many times, um, especially at the start of a brand new year, we want to see some things change in our lives, right? We want to see some things change. Um, it's the reason why we, we search for or pray for or look for kind of our word of the year. It's the reason why we develop a resolution. We want our life to change. But can I say this? This could require us making some changes to the way that we live in order to see our lives change. We have some skin in the game. See, most of us, we have, we have these uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. And remember, hope's a great motivator, but it's a poor sustainer. I've been guilty of this so many times in my life where I've made this resolution or whatever else. And man, I hope it's going to be different. But, and it's a great motivator at the beginning, but, but, it, but it, it's a poor sustainer. Um, it's like the definition of insanity. You've heard that before. Continue to do the things that you've been doing, but hoping or expecting a different result. Well, it's, it's not going to happen. 
Every single one of us, we all form habits that in actuality, they end up forming us. Um, last week, I said this, we, we live by a, a, a liturgy of life. Um, and I gave an example, um, not to be weird, but think about when you shower. You, you do the same thing habitually every time. I had a friend of mine that challenged me on that, just went in thinking about liturgy and liturgy of life. And, and so we all have this liturgy of life that we live by. And can I just say this, as I was thinking through last week and praying about this week and writing and I felt like the Lord spoke something to me this Wednesday, actually, as I was driving down the road. I was paying attention, but I do feel like the Lord spoke, and this is what I felt like he said. I felt like the Lord said this, the liturgy of your life will determine the legacy of your life. So when, we're, when we start thinking about these habits that we live by, th- these things that, that, that you know, we form but truly end up forming us, the liturgy of your life will determine the legacy of your life. The habits that we, that we live will determine the life that we live, and the life that we live will determine the legacy that we leave. So last week, we saw that if we're going to go on this journey towards these uphill habits, we're going to need four things, four things for the journey. We're going to need to believe that God can and will do something new in us. We're going to need to believe that. And this is tough, man. I don't know about you, but you know, doing student ministry for as many years as I've done it, what I've recognized is, is there's really not a lot of difference between a student and an adult. Even as adults, sometimes some of us look at ourselves in the mirror and we have a hard time believing that God can and will do something new in us or through us or for us. This is the strategy of the devil to keep your identity at bay so you don't fully understand who you are in Christ and what you have in him. So we're going to need to believe that God's able to do something new. We need to believe that there's hope for a good future. Man, some of us live in the Eeyore syndrome of life. And you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, oh, woe is me. But we got to believe that God is up to something new. I mean, think about the Israelites. In the middle of their mess, God says, I know the plans I have for you. In the middle of a situation where they would have probably thought, man, it is hopeless. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good, not to harm you, but to prosper you. So we're going to believe that there's hope for a good future. We need to repent from our past. We need to settle our yesterdays, and we need to form some good God-focused uphill habits. So these are the four things we're going to need for this journey towards this life change, towards these uphill habits. Now, understand Uphill habits, they're striving to be really more like Jesus. Because remember last week, if you were here, if you weren't, man, go back and grab that podcast. I think uh, hopefully it'll be life-giving for you. But I went through this list of, of the top seven things very successful CEOs do every, every morning. And, and then, but, I, but I said these things, they may make your life better, a little bit more successful in the world's eyes. But in terms of living the abundant life God has for you, we need to add some. And we need to probably put those actually before those other seven, right? Well, um, listen, these uphill habits are really a striving to be more like Jesus, They're striving to be more like Jesus, so it's putting him in the first place. And I get this, uphill habits are not easy. Oftentimes, the things that are truly worthwhile aren't easy. Just like I said last week, oftentimes I've I've had to tell myself this. If If it's easy, it tends to end up empty. If it's easy. But I'll say this, these uphill habits are achievable, and there's good news, God is on our side. This is why this theme verse from Romans chapter 12 is so profound. Let me, let me just kind of break it down for you. Romans 12, 2. 
that we would fix our attention on God, that we would focus our affections and our attention, our allegiance on God. We would put him first. And then it says, and you will be changed from the inside out, from the inside out. You'll be able to readily recognize, you'll be able to discern what he wants from you, and you'll be able to quickly respond to it. And then watch this, Paul goes on to say this, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God wants to bring the best out of you. This is God's plan for you. He wants to bring the best out of you, and he wants to, he wants to develop you through this well-formed process. Of, so the well-formed maturity would be developed within you. That's God's plan for you. So unlike the culture of society that would drag us down to its level of immaturity, the habits that are immature, God wants the best for us. Amen? Is that a good amen? So habit number one, we said focusing on what I do first, putting God first. In doing so, giving God the first of our everything, our everything. And again, another shameless plug for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, A lot of us don't know much about fasting. Can I just say this? Fasting is just simply us denying ourselves to focus more intently on or to follow God. Denying self and following him. It's it's, it's, fasting doesn't only just involve food. Can I say that? Some of us, if, if you hear fast, you're like, ooh, no, I'm good, right? Yeah, I gotta feed this, right? I know. It doesn't only involve food. See, some of us can't fast from food for many reasons, and that's okay. It could be fasting from many of other things. It's a denying of yourself or something that, that you maybe shouldn't have in your life anyway, Or it's something that's causing a habit that's controlling you other than God. You would fast from that. It's something that, you know, if you were to deny yourself of, um, it it would allow you to more intimately focus your time and, and, and attention on God. Does that make sense? Let me tell you what fasting does. Fasting breaks habits. It can break habits. Bad habits. And maybe some of you are like, okay, that's cool, Pastor, but why 21 days? Man, that's a long time. That's nearly a whole month. (laughs) I know. Here's why. Because it takes 21 days to break a bad habit and develop a new habit. And it's a biblical precedent. I want you to think of it this way. Whatever I starve dies and whatever I feed thrives. Maybe you write that down. Whatever I starve dies and whatever I feed thrives thrives. For 19 years now, we've done this student conference called 220 that was really built around this premise of starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Why do we say this? Why do we build this whole 220 thing on that idea? Because we understood the premise that whatever I starve dies and whatever I feed thrives. So if I starve the flesh, even it's for five solid or four and a half solid days, right? I'm just, I'm fixing all of my attention on God for four and a half solid days. I'm going to starve my flesh. I'm not going to be on my phone as much. Maybe some, some youth pastors are like, no, nah, give me your phone. They just take it away. Kids are like going through, it's like an attic, y'all watching this. They're like twitching and stuff. They, they just walk around like this all the time. Like it's, <laughs> but it's amazing to watch. Even, you don't even have to get to day two and a half. And man, there's just like a change that happens, not just in the atmosphere, but in each and every person. First of all, people will actually look at you in the eye and say hello and not text you, <laughs> right? You're sitting next to each other, texting each other. No, but it's amazing what happens when we, whatever we starve dies and whatever we feed thrives. 
So whatever it is you would choose to fast, so to focus on God, in the starving of the flesh or in the denying of of yourself, you're going to become more alive in what the Spirit of God is saying and what he's wanting to do in you and through you. Amen? Oh, come on. I need a bigger amen than that. It's focusing on what's first. It's putting God first in our year, in our month, in our our week, in our day. It's putting God in first top priority. So today I want to I want to turn our attention to our second uphill habit. Our second uphill habit, and that is controlling our thoughts. Controlling our thoughts. Some of you are like, I've been trying to get that one next to me. I've been trying to control his thoughts. Oh no, 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 no. Controlling our thoughts. We have to learn how to control our thought life. Now I can say in my own life, there have been some paradigm shifting moments that have taken place each one of those pivotal moments where I had this paradigm shift in my life always began when I began to, to change the way that I think. And there's been times where I knew God was saying things to me that said, man, I, I, it's time to get into a different gear. It's time, to, it's time to change the way that you think about this. I can just name a few. I knew when I was called to ministry, even at 15 years old, there was a paradigm shift that, that changed my thinking about my forward trajectory, my future and how I was going to live that, you know, through those high school years, et cetera. When God called me to become a husband, there was a definitive paradigm shift and a change that needed to take place in my thinking. It wasn't just about my life at that point. When God called me to be a father, for sure there was a paradigm shift. When God called me to start a church, there was a paradigm shift in my thinking. There had to be a shift in my thinking, many other times in between. And I can even tell you, as we move into 2020 with God blessing us so as he has, um, providing this this land over here and, and all that's coming with that, there is a paradigm shift in our thinking. In fact, that's what our whole staff talked about this whole last week is it's time to find a new gear, which requires a new thought process, right? Anytime I had a pivotal life change, the change had to begin in my thinking, here's the truth. Listen, our lives will be marked by how well we do this habit. Our lives will be marked by how well we do this habit. None of us will ever see our lives change unless we change the way that we think. Maybe you're here this morning and, and there's some areas where you'd like to see your life change. Would that be fair? Is there anybody that would, I mean, I'm doing it, I'm raising my hand, right? There's some areas where, I'd like to see my life change. Let me say, we can make resolutions all day long and we can search for that word, but, but your life will not change or your, your life change will not begin in the doing. Your life change will begin in your thinking. In your thinking. It's about mindset. Our mindset, how we think, will always precede our discipline in what we do. So habit number two, control your thoughts. I know, uphill habit, not easy, but God is for us and he will help us. Look at it this way. The Bible tells us out of the message in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse two, wise thinking leads to right living. Wise thinking leads to right living, but stupid thinking, how you like that? (laughs) Didn't know that was in the Bible. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. I love what Pastor Chris said. Pastor Chris said, stinking thinking leads to wrong living, right? But right thinking leads to right living. So what we want to do today is to help maybe talk about right thinking, theological principles of thinking. And then I hope to give you some practical thoughts as well. So 
Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Write, write this down if you're taking notes if you want to. Number one, everything begins with my thoughts. Everything begins with my thoughts. So things you are doing, both good and not good, are literally fueled by what you're thinking. That's what happens first. Um, I've got a buddy who, I've told you this story before, I know, but um, former worship leader, uh, when he was probably in his young 20s, he, would, he was, he was kind of a wild man. He went out and he, he'd play all the, he would say, those, this is his words, oh yeah, man, we played all the honky-tonks. I'm like, is that even a thing now? I mean, <laughs> but that's, yeah, we played all the honky-tonks. And, and he would say, yeah, I, I, I think that I, I knew the Lord, but man, I didn't really have a real relationship with him. I just, he said, I would go out with all these, these girls and, and, and I would just pray to God before I, God forgive me for what I'm about to do. Think about it. He had premeditated. There was thought process that went, he knew exactly what he was planning on doing before he would even go out. See, if we're going to change, if you're trying to change your behavior without ever changing your thinking first, you'll never change your behavior. And this is so true, which is why we're encouraging you that the very first thing you do at the beginning of every day is to yield your mind to the Lord. It's the reason why I challenged you last week to that, that, that first 15 challenge. I'll put it up again for you. The first 15 minutes of your day, I think we've got that slide. Do we have that slide? Yeah, there we are. Five minutes in the word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. It's, very, it's a very simple thing to do, but hard to put into the discipline, the practice. That first 15 every day, five minutes in the word, five, just five. Five minutes with, with some worship, five minutes in prayer. I'm going to tell you right this. If you did this first 15 every day, you watch. You watch and see what happens in your life. You watch how your life and your thinking will change. Why? Why would we do something like this? To ensure that the very first thing that we're putting into our minds at the beginning of every new day is just, I'm yielding, I'm surrendering, I'm submitting my mind to you, Lord, my thoughts, my very first attention, my affection, my allegiance to you, to you alone. It not only sets the tone for your day, but it's gonna set the way that you're gonna live through your day. I promise you promise you. In comparison to think about this, what if the very first thing you did was turn on the news, got on the social media, and you started seeing all the stuff going wrong in the world? And, and it, I mean, it, just think about that. Spend 15 minutes, the very first thing that you do when you wake up doing that, and you're going to watch how, how downhill your day begins to go really quickly. It's going to set the tone and the pace for your whole entire day. Give God your first 15. It's gonna change the way you live through your day, I promise. The things that go into our minds first every day will set the precedent for your day because everything begins with a thought. Even the process that God wants to begin to do in you will begin with your thinking. That's why Romans 12 is so profound. Again, Romans 12 too, let's go from the new living. Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you what? Think, think, everything begins with a thought. Here's principle number two. And check this out. What we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. So we need to filter on our minds. You know, th this statement right here, what we think determines how we feel, 
Um, this is a couple of weeks ago. I, I kind of addressed politics for just a minute. It's probably not the way some of you wanted me to address politics, but that's when I said, man, we need to practice Colossians, setting our minds on things above and not getting so focused on the democracy that we live in because this is really not our home. We're just kind of hanging out here. We need to focus on the monarch, the king, right? The monarchy of the king, the King Jesus. What we determine or, or, or what we think determines how we feel. If all we sit and think about is politics and all we put into our mind is politics, no wonder why we've got a nation that's so frustrated and angry all the time. And it doesn't matter what aisle you sit on or what side of the aisle you sit on. What you think determines how you feel. We need to filter on our minds. We've got to recognize we aren't irritable because of people or politics. It's not the news or our significant others that are making us feel the way that we feel. It's really how we think. It's our mindset. How we're thinking is determining how we're feeling. Imagine if we got really serious about God. I mean, really serious. We said, okay, God, I know I've said I'm going all in. No, no, I'm really going all in. I'm going all in. Imagine this. If we put God first, we got so serious about our thought life. What if, okay, what if we decided to get so radical about this filter and we took one week one solid week, and we really did our best to fast as much media as possible. News, social media, video games, all of it. I mean, imagine what would happen if we just took one week and said, I'm, I'm very serious about this filter. I'm very serious about the way that I'm thinking. It's, 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 it's leading to the way that I'm feeling. What could happen in our thought life if we chose to fast media for as much as possible for one week? And instead... You filled your mind with things of the Lord. What would happen? It might just prove what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Look at this with me. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, it says, if we will think about these or think about such things, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. If we will focus our thoughts on these things and not, okay, think about, if we focus our thoughts on these things, the, the right, the pure, the lovely, the, the admirable, the, the, the excellent, the praiseworthy, and not those things, the news and the media and da 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 guess what would happen? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So many of us long for the peace of God, which can only be found in the God of peace, but we often choose to live in chaos. We long for the peace of God. And can I, can I just say this as, as your pastor? Let me say this. I know so many of us right now in this room desperately, desperately need peace. And we need peace. You need the presence of the God of peace in your life. And can I say this? I can't give you peace, but I can at least try to show you how to get it. I can try to show you how to get it. Let's consider strongly what would happen. Just one week, I'm going to do everything I can to not, I'm going to fast as much media, news, social media, all that. I'm going to fast as much of it as possible. What would happen? Let's consider that. Let's fill our minds with the things of God rather than the things of this world. See what happens in the way that we think and the way that we feel. Here's a third, third principle, third point for the day. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Um, man, how tragic would it be if we woke up on, what is today, January the what? 12th, tw January 12th of 2021, and we are still sitting in the same place that we're sitting right now. 
Our, our thoughts determine our destiny. You, you may have heard this before. We actually talked about this in our staff meeting uh, this last week, um, th- this statement. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, you reap your destiny. Notice the first word. Let's go to that next slide. First words are thought and destiny. Thought and destiny, the last word being destiny. See, see this, this thought begins that destiny. Remember, the liturgy of your life will determine the legacy of your life. Again, Pastor Chris Hodges says, if, if you don't like where you're going, you need to change the way you're thinking. You need to change the way that you're thinking. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will go tomorrow where your thoughts will take you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, basically living life far from God, full of bad habits, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life. And again, here's that word. Say it with me. Peace. Man, I know we need peace. I can't give it to you, but I can show you how to find it. There's peace. This is what we desire for every single person. This is what we pray for every single person. So let's put it to the test this week. Some of us are struggling with this merry-go-round, um, hamster wheel pattern of perpetual sin. We can't seem to stop doing the things that we don't really want to do, as Paul once said. Remember that, what Paul said? I do the things that, uh, that I don't want to do, and the things I, I want to do, I don't do. And some of us feel the same way. I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says this, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Let's go to that next one. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're powerful through God for the, de- the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every, what? Captive. And make it obedient to Christ. See, winning the battle against sin begins in your thoughts. It begins in your thinking. By taking every thought captive and making it obedient to to Christ. I've, I've shared with you so many times seasons of life where, man, I felt like I was under such attack. And, and I'll speak to this here in just a little bit, in, in just a little while a little bit more, but, but just to help you understand this frame of reference, taking every thought captive. Man, I wish I could say that's a one and done first thing in your first 15 in the morning and you're going to be good to go. But I'm going to tell you, there have been times in my life I felt like I was just, man, I might as well just go pray all day in the temple because I just, my mind, is, man, the enemy is right. Some of you are like, uh-huh. You, you, maybe one or two of you were the only not holy ones in the room, by the way. But, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you got to go over and over. I, I felt like, man, I was just constantly, God, would you capture my thoughts, capture my thoughts, capture my thoughts, captivate my thoughts. And you know what? I, I, I failed to do so many times. And God, make these thoughts obedient to you. Capture them? Yeah, God, I don't want to think on these things. No, 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 no. God, take my mind. And may it yield and surrender to you, Lord Jesus. May my thoughts not only be captive, but be obedient to you, right? All right, so let's get practical because we got to put this stuff in practice, right? That's what it's all about. The Bible is applicable for today. 
So let's get practical. We know our first uphill habits, focusing on what is first, putting God first. So how do we put this uphill habit of controlling our, our thought life into practice? Okay, number one, find a plan to control your thoughts. Find a plan. For some of us, we've been going at this alone for a long time. Man, we've been running this race alone as a Lone Ranger for a long time. And there's many, many reasons maybe why you've been doing that. We, some of us, we turn to self-help books for far too long. Can I just say this? Funny how it's the most popular and sometimes the largest section in the bookstore. But you think if one book really helped, why write so many? I thought about that this week. I was like, huh. Imagine that. <laughs> we need accountability. Can I say that? Man, I know that's a hard word. We need accountability. That's what we need. We need community around us. We need godly community to cover us and pray for us and protect us. Sometimes we've got to get into that foxhole with people who get it, and they, they get us, and they love us. We need community. Um, this is going to be a big help to us. We, we need a plan to control our thoughts. The, the best book to read is not just another self-help book or not another Oprah Winfrey special on remembering your spirit. The best help to read is this book right here, the Bible. This is the best book that you could actually read. It will remove every negative, demonic curse and accusation and replace it with how God sees you and, and, and how God is for you and how God loves you. We need to get into the Bible. The word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4 says it this way. The word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it penetrates even dividing the soul and spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the what? Thoughts and attitudes. We need to be in the Bible. If you want to find a plan to control your thoughts, plan to start your day with the word of God, even if it's in that first 15, that first five. It'll change things. And I've heard it said like this, you may find as you read the Bible, the Bible's really reading you. <laughs> it's going to change you, and it's going to change the way that you think, and then it's going to change the way that you live. Um, number two, practical thoughts. Find, find a place to think your thoughts. Find a place. Um, just like you needed to find a plan with some people, find a place. At some place in your day, again, best if you started with the first of the day, turn the volume of the world down and turn the volume of the spirit of God up. Have a daily conversation with God. Slow your life down long enough to have a conversation with God. You'll find that just as in Isaiah 26, that God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him. All those thoughts are fixed on you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. In the New Testament, Colossians, it says it like this. Um, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. That's what I just referenced a while ago. We, we need to put our mind on the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Let me say it like this. If you don't have some time in your day where you're thinking about the things of heaven rather than the things of earth, most likely you will not find that you have a lot of peace in your life and you will probably continue into those sinful patterns of, and also maybe thoughts of defeat. So man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta have a place to, Find a place to think our thoughts with God. Sometimes, again, it's a daily grind. Once is not enough. You know, I was thinking about what I was telling you um, just, a while, just a minute ago about there, there were seasons of life where I was just, okay, God, I need you to capture my thought. I need you to capture my thought. I need you to capture, capture this thought, God. Capture this thought. I mean, exhausting. But can I say this? Has anybody ever felt that way? Come on, join me if you have. 
Look around the room. Hold, hold hands up. Come on, we're all in the same family here. Look around the room. Let me say this to you. I want you to be encouraged. And I, I feel like this is another one of those things that God laid on me. The enemy is, is only after what God's after. Think about it. The enemy is only after what God's after. We need to find a place in our day to think our thoughts, to pray, to talk to God, to surrender to him, our minds, our thinking, our, our mindset even. Again, best time's the beginning. We give our first. Third, um, in our ways that we can better live out our thinking process, find a person or people to stretch your thoughts. You need to be surrounded by the right people. Um, you, you can have a really good life, right? And you can align it with God and you can allow God to work in you and you can allow God to work through you. But, but even then, your life will not reach its fullest potential until you involve God's people. This is actually God's plan, that you would be involved with God's people. In fact, this is what the Bible says. When you have a sin, it says confess it to God. But if you wanna be healed of that sin, you need to go talk to others in the body of Christ about that and pray for each other. This is where you're gonna experience healing over sin. Some of you are like, well, hang on, wait a minute. I'm gonna show you. James chapter five. We've actually quoted this so many, many times. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be what? You need godly people in your life. You need godly community. You need to be surrounded by godly people. And when I say godly people, I'm not talking about people who you look at and you think, oh man, they check all the right spiritual holy boxes. I'm talking about people who are really pressing into the Lord and you know it. You know, these are, they may not be perfect people, but man, they are chasing God. You need these people in your life. Can I just say this? Not a shameless plug. No, this is, this is just, this is the true deal. This is why we talk to you so often about small groups. Man, this is why I want you to lead a small group. This is why I want you to get into a small group. It's not for me, it's for you. I promise you this. And they're, they're, by the way, they're coming up. That's why I say it's not a shameless plug. I don't want you to go, oh, I see what he did. <laughs> no, no, they're coming up here in just a few weeks. Now's the time right now to say, you know what, God, are you, are you asking me to lead? I'm gonna reach out to Kelly. You can, Kelly at declaration.org. God, that's a shameless plug right there. Ke just go ahead and email her today. God's told me I'm supposed to lead something. She will help you, all right? She will help you. But make a plan to control your thoughts by finding some people who are gonna stretch you, who are gonna cover you, protect you, pray for you. And like I said, in just a few weeks, we're gonna open that small group directory. And as your pastor, I am begging you, please commit to a small group of people. Um, man, to me, this is part of going all in. It's like we talked about last week, man. We're gonna go all in this year. We're gonna, God, I'm gonna give you 52, 365 and see what happens in my life by the end of the year. I promise it's a no-hassle guarantee, but it'll change everything. This is part of it. If you want your life to change, you gotta put those uphill habits in place. Commit to a small group. There's a lot of different options that are gonna be out there, trust me. And can I just say this too? Listen, I know you're like, man, I'm busy. I got this, my kids got that. I get it. Hey, man, you take time for things that matter. You do, you do. You won't miss softball or baseball or football or badminton practice. Is that a thing? You won't miss that for nothing, all right? Don't miss small group. Don't miss it, man. This is your spiritual life, and your spiritual life will determine everything else. This is the liturgy of your life, which will determine the legacy of your life. The legacy you want to pass down is not, man, can I throw a spiral? The legacy that you want to pass down is, man, my God, my, my, my kids are, are spiritually aligned with God. They may not be perfect, but they are chasing God. 
All right, so man, it, that you, you commit time to things that matter. Here's something I often say in Growth Track. Name the top five sermons that have changed your life. Quick, think about them. You know, you're like, what do we pay you for, dude? I can't think of one. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's unfortunate. It's truly tragic. <laughs> Name the top five sermons. But hey, watch this. Name the top five people that have changed your life. You can come up with five, can't you? This is why small groups are so important. So man, please. Pray about it. How about that? <laughs> Watch what God does. All right. Your development and discipleship happens so far much greater in those circles of that small group than the rows right here. This is good because this is us getting to celebrate God together as a family and watch God move. But I'm going to tell you what, you want to you really grow in Jesus? Get in those small groups, all right? Get in a group. Find a person or people to stretch your thoughts. It's important because this is what the Bible says. Let me prove to you why this is important. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You want to be motivated towards loving God and serving people and living loud? Get in the small group. Let us not neglect our meeting together or some, as some people do, it says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, so here's, what's, here's what's being said here. Hey, look, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. We're living in a time and a frame where, man, we need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged. The best lie that the devil, well, one of the best lies the devil has fed Christians today is you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Ooh, did, I just, did I just hit a pain point? Hey, look, I went through my, I went through my own moment, all right, where I, I had endured enough friendly fire and I let those people be God for me. And I forgot that those people were just like me, not perfect, didn't have it all together, probably sometimes living through their wounds. See, hurt people hurt people, healed people healed people, right? I went through those moments, and I can even convince myself in ministry, oh, I don't need to really be active in a church. I just need to go minister to the church because I've got so much to say to people I don't spend time with. See, it's easy to get on Twitter and, and shoot a 140-character assassination attempt at the bride of Christ while sitting on the sidelines. But man, can I, just, can I just lovingly say, man, let us think of ways to motivate one another toward acts of love and good works and not neglect meeting together. Let's not do it. But instead, let's encourage one another because Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. Time is short, y'all. We got work to do, right? Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Is that, let me get a good amen. I can find no greater explanation or exhortation for small groups or church than that. Okay, number four, we need to find a purpose to land our thoughts. The healthiest thought you can have are thoughts about, man, why am I here? What, what was I made for? Why on earth am I on this planet? Rick Warren, man, that, that purpose-driven life book, has been so life-giving for so many people because it addresses one of the root core questions that we all have. What on earth am I on earth for? So find a purpose in which you can land your thoughts. If you could hear God, listen, if you could hear God just open up the heavens right now and audibly speak to you right now, I think he would say three things to you. Number one, I think he would say, um, I love you. Nothing you have done or ever could do would change that. I love you. Number two, I think he would say, I forgive you. Let's settle your past. 
so you can move into the future, the good future I have for you. And then number three, I think he would say, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose that I've created just you for. Those three things. This is why we would love for you, honestly, to allow us the privilege of walking with you through this thing we call growth track because it's a, it's a process. It's a discovery of your purpose. That's what today is actually all about in growth track. The Bible says it this way. Again, back to Romans 12, verse two, from the NIV this time. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you wanna know God's purpose for you, why he has created you to be on this earth, what on earth am I on earth for? It's going to begin by the transforming of allowing God to transform you and then renew your mind so that your thinking can be right. So then he can now unveil to you the purpose that he has created you for. See, it starts with your mind and then you'll be able to test and approve. Then you'll be able to understand why God created you. So, hey, this is a shameless plug. Jump into growth track. Today is step two, all right? Get in, begin to understand. Begin to understand. Man, what, what are we after here at this church and what is God after when it comes to you? Lastly, number four, actually not lastly, this is number four, sorry. <laughs> find, a, no, this is last. Find a power, number five, to fuel, I'm all messed up on my notes. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. This is what I've always found in life, and I think it's probably applicable across the board. Anytime that God speaks and says, hey, this is what I'm asking you to do, this is what I've laid out for you, it's always something that is far too great for me to accomplish on my own. Does anybody, I mean, can I just say this? Let me just go ahead and prophetically speak this over you. When God calls you to something, it is far greater than your, ability, your own ability or talent. You're not gonna be able to do it on your own. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants to partner with you. He wants to empower you for what he has called you for. He wants to empower you. His purpose that, that he wants to live out in you is far greater than you can ever imagine. You're gonna need his wisdom. You're gonna need his mind. You're gonna need his strength, his thoughts. Isaiah 55, nine says this, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His thoughts are bigger than yours. And, and here's what's awesome. He wants you to have his thoughts. He wants you to have his thoughts to, to be able to pray the very mind of Jesus he didn't want you to just lean on your own thoughts. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own what? Understanding, your own thoughts. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will, he will open the door. He will show you exactly what it is he's calling to. His thoughts are bigger. His dreams, listen to me, his dreams and purpose for your life are far bigger than anything you could ever dream or imagine. It's far bigger, far greater. In fact, this week, Pastor Aaron came to me with a quote. He says, if all of your dreams and vision came true, that you've come up with, all of your dreams and vision came true, and you were the only one that was impacted or affected by them, then you missed the point of the dream. Man, God has this, he's got so much more for you. He, he wants you to make an eternal difference that will literally change generations of lives forever. That is the joy of being called to be a part of this church. Man, when God called us to plant declaration, I knew that God was inviting us to partner with him, that even if one life would change, listen to me, I promise, if one life would change, that life would have repercussions for generations of that family forevermore. That is what we get to be a part of day in and day out. That is what you get to be a part of day in and day out. 
Man, God wants you to make an eternal difference and literally bring change to this world. His thoughts are so much bigger and higher. His dream for you is so much bigger and higher than what you could think. Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or what? Think. According to the power that works in us. We're gonna need God's power to fuel our thoughts in order to fulfill the purpose that God has created us for. Well, listen, as we close, I'm gonna invite the team back up. And, and I just wanna, thinking about mindset and how we start our day, um, I heard, I heard uh, someone tell a story about Pastor Craig Rochelle. Anybody know who Pastor Craig Rochelle is from, from Life Church, the largest church probably in the world now, actually? I want to say weekly, at least as of two years ago, weekly they had over 88, 89,000 people in their worship services all over the nation, all over the world, really, every Sunday morning. Can you imagine? Maybe you used the Bible app that was developed through Life Church. Well, uh, Pastor Craig has gotten to be fairly well known for his leadership mentoring, and, and um, there's a couple of other pastors who, who really uh, you know, honor him and a, and a credit to him just their growth as leaders because of his leadership. And, and he came out with a declaration at some point just to, you know, for himself. And, and since then, it's kind of been passed down and, and other pastors have, have kind of tweaked it and made it their own. But I want to read you the declaration that Pastor Craig wrote. Just when we're talking about mindset, when we're talking about control, the, the uphill habit of controlling your thoughts. Every day, he starts with his time with God and then he ends with this declaration. Let me read it to you. He says, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. He said, I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for God's kingdom than they can possibly imagine. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. My first thoughts and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day in my life. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. He says, I'm anointed, creative, innovative, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I equip leaders. That's not something I do. It's who I am. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that it's making the biggest difference. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. I'm a servant of the most high God. Mindset. Habit number one. Focus on first things. Is Jesus first. Habit number two. Controlling your thoughts. Taking every thought captive. Making it obedient to Christ. And man, that mindset is such a powerful tool that can either be empowered by the Spirit of God or completely co-opted by the enemy. Let me pray for you. Would you stand to your feet? And as you close your eyes and begin to pray, I just want to remind you, the liturgy of your life will determine the legacy of your life. The liturgy of your life will determine the legacy of your life. 
I know I've given you a lot of information today. But here's what I'm praying. I'm asking God to just absolutely anoint today to take that information and turn it into transformation. That it would begin in your minds. That maybe we would come before the Lord and we would just yield our hearts and our minds and say, God, would you transform me? Start by renewing my mind, changing the way that I think. Change my habits. I know it's tough, but God's with you. He's for you. He's able to help you. So maybe just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying? God, would you give us boldness? God, would you give us the grace necessary to take the next spiritual step you are inviting us to take? Maybe you're here this morning and and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Man, if that's you, I want to invite you today to receive the greatest gift that God has for you, which is Jesus. Maybe right where you are, you would just say a prayer. I'll help you. Let me, let me just pray the way I prayed when, when I invited Christ into my life. And if you want this this morning, if you want to receive Jesus, maybe you would pray these same words. Just repeat after me in your heart or out loud, whatever you feel led. We'd say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I believe in you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Take my sin away. Transform my life. Change me. Change the way that I think. I surrender to you, Jesus. I yield every part of my life to your control. Father, all the things that you've taken out of me, I pray you would replace and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name.